it. Wait for it. Okay, that was a long one tonight. You can never tell how quick it's going to take for this thing to hit start recording. Uh, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, first we're going to start with the man who's got the episode named after him. So Chris Kennedy, can you introduce yourself to our sure. listeners? Sure. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, Chris Kennedy, uh, former naval aviator, uh, an elementary school principal, now uh, science fiction, fantasy author, editor, and publisher. Um, that's me. All right. And because we're gentlemen here, uh, next we're going to let the lady introduce herself. Okay. Uh, Diane Reed. Uh, I uh, Chris found me at Superstars a couple years ago. And I had a partially written uh, series going on, and then more recently, so I'm, it's a seven book series. I call it, I, and I'm an Air Force veteran, so my main character is a pilot, even though I didn't get to fly. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I'm uh, doing a seven book series. I was just about to turn in book five, th the first four are published, when uh, Jim McCoy decided. He, that I needed to show Chris a trilogy, trilogy that was published by a major New York house almost 30, almost 30 years ago. And so I've been dusting that off, I'm doing some very serious comprehensive copy and line editing because my writing style has matured a lot in that time and just got um, the galleys turned in on the second one of that one today. And then once we get this this trilogy uh, in the works, then I'll be back to book five of the of the um, Seventh Shaman series. This trilogy that uh, that uh, Jim McCoy dug up is very different. It's military, political, edge of a thriller sort of thing. Um, the cover for the first book doesn't look like that, but that's what it becomes pretty quickly. So, um, and then the Seventh Shaman series is military space fantasy. Okay, and uh, since Rob's been a guest more recently, we're going to let Paul introduce himself next. Uh, hi, uh, Paul Pyatt. I'm the author of the Abner Fortis ISMC series. Uh, eight books long, number nine. Uh, came out, I guess, uh, on 9-1-23. Uh, number 10's in the works. And uh, after a pleasant discussion with my publisher, I've got at least four more in the works, at least <laughs> planned. So... Um, I've also dabbled in um, some urban fantasy. That was my first trilogy. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of horror, vampire horror, uh, and some other standalone sci-fi stuff. Um, I came to Chris Kennedy Publishing almost by accident. Um, I joined the Twenty Books to Fifty K uh, Facebook group, and hung around there for a couple of years, trying to figure out how to sell more books on my own. And uh, Craig Martell hosted a uh, a competition for interns. Um, had to write your best 500 words uh, and a letter introducing yourself and why you should be picked up as an intern. And uh, one day in January, a couple of years ago, I got a message from Chris himself saying, welcome aboard, intern. Um, <laughs> it's been an upward trajectory ever since. And here I sit. 
Nice. And um, this is a little known fact, but dear listeners, you, you've spoken after Rob's episode and apparently we're not allowed to talk to each other without adult supervision because we got a little too nerdy for you. Um, but, you know, it wasn't our fault, Rob. Nick didn't supervise very well. Yeah, I didn't get any supervision from Nick. I got a lot of what and really <laughs> odd facial expressions, but no supervision at all. And he was sober, so we can't even blame that on the booze. It's just that he yeah. failed to supervise. Yeah. <laughs> so can you so, introduce yourself if they missed that episode two weeks ago? Uh, my name is Rob Howell, and I'm a nerd. Uh, I'm a nerd who puts words on the page and uh, helps others put words on the page. I started off uh, writing um, late in life and, and have come to love it. It's been my career for almost a decade now, and I'm excited to have been a part of uh, the Chris Kennedy crew for most of that. I met Chris, met, Chris, bleh, met Chris Kennedy in, I think, 2016. We were at an honor con and talked about stuff at the bar there. I, I distinctly remember a conversation on the advantages or rather disadvantages of the FA-18, and that was quite an interesting dif- discussion. I had a lot of fun. I remember it quite quite clearly. Uh, but I learned a lot from Chris along the way, and it, he's definitely helped a bunch of authors get better, as well as provide opportunities. And I went to him a few years ago, um, knowing that I kind of wanted to expand my work level. Not My writing, I can only write so much in a given day. Um, my brain just stops contributing words. And I have other hours in the day, and I asked if I could help uh, run the um, fantasy imprint, New Mythology Press. And uh, he graciously gave me the opportunity and I've really learned a ton over the past few years. Um, and I, I hope I haven't been the, the worst possible publisher <laughs> over the time, but it's been a, it's a lot of fun and another opportunity that Chris has given me. So um, great to be here to, to talk about the man, the myth and my boss. <laughs> That's one way to ensure you get a pay raise. So you, you were a little dishonest, though, because you said you hadn't read, written into late in life. But anyone who's classically trained historian in academia has written a lot of words. They're just not the kind of words most people would want to read. I actually, there was a Facebook post today by M.A. Rothman about what kind of writer he is and how he is a he is a writer that writes for entertainment and for good quality fun and enjoyment. <laughs> Um, as opposed to a literary author. And the, the funny thing about that that's relevant to what you just said is I literally lost, um, I went, literally had a paper get downgraded to an A- minus in grad school because my writing wasn't obscure enough. It was too easy. <laughs> wasn't flowery enough? It was too easy to read. Oh, no. That, yes. that's, that's actually kind of funny. So one of the first short stories I had published was actually – Chris Kennedy and one of his four horsemen and his critique was only this isn't college anymore JR only two commas per sentence no more is allowed because <laughs> there's so many subjective clauses in a history paper because you got to clarify <laughs> everything ad nauseum I, I almost laughed at that one uh, it, was, it was pretty accurate though you're not the only editor that told me that by the way Chris <laughs> well now I'm trying to, you know the other thing um, that you have to break people of is all of the military people that want to put two spaces after a period is that a military thing or is that an, a, an age thing? Because I think it was – I was taught that way in high school. Well, it, it was an age thing, but but it's also a military thing, very much so. And and it is the way it's done. So when people get out of the military – Not anymore. Which, yeah, we've not, got – Well, not anymore. Well, I was deployed to Iraq, and I was writing stuff 
that's where I first learned that they had dropped the second space. Ah. And so uh, from that point on, yeah, just one space. I, I got back to civilization and went, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> of all the so, things to change while we were gone, this was it? <laughs> yeah. Of note, I have a standard thing that I do at the end of, end of one of the last things I do with every manuscript. Control H, space, space, space. So I get rid of all of those things because I accidentally do that every once in a while myself. Yeah, I heard that from you first with that short story too, Chris. I didn't realize that was a military thing. I just thought that's what everyone used to do. Well, certainly the military made everybody do that. And, and you know, most of the military folks um, that, that I've seen have it. Um, it is it is an age thing, I guess, and, and maybe they've now gotten away from it. But uh, I have somebody that just got out of the military this past summer, and she still uses two spaces after a period. What's next? They're going to make the war on the Oxford comma? Jeez, no, people are thinking that. <laughs> I just remember it was always Times New Roman 12 or bust. That was that was the motto with the two spaces. So, all right, we can we can get nerdy about the words or we can talk about the reason we're here. So, Chris, uh, we, yes, started, we started this uh, series of episodes. We started with Three Ravens and then you were the second one I asked because you're really busy, so hard to track down. But um, we wanted to start talking to some of the small presses that are out there because most people don't realize there's some middle ground between like the big five or I guess big three now, however many are left, the big publishers, and then the guys that are just, you know, printing the books in their basement, the small publishing that keeps the, prof the, the professionalism, but is a lot able to be more flexible, I think, than somewhere like Random House. So how did you get into the game? Um, well, they, they say that... Um... I think it's 81% of the people have a story that they want to tell. Um, I was always part of the 19%. Uh, never, never thought that I'd write a book, never wanted to write a book. Uh, finished my doctoral dissertation and went, hooray, I never have to write again. Um, well, it didn't work out that way. Um, you know, when, when we were bringing up our kids, I was always the one doing the science and math with them. Uh, my wife was always doing the creative stuff. She was pretty sure I didn't have a creative bone in my body. Um, and then one day I had a story. I was driving home from work and some of the things I had seen, you know, it's like, well, if this, then that, then this, then that. Hey, um, China invite, invades Seattle. And I was like, wow, that that's, that's kind of cool. I should write that down. And I was like, well, you know, what am I going to do with that? I'm, I'm, I'm not an author. I don't, I don't know anyone in publishing. I, uh, I don't have an agent, you know, th that's dumb. Um, and, and I had pretty much talked myself out of it by the time I got home and, uh, Sheila, my wife said, Hey, um, dinner's going to be a little late today. Cause life. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, huh. Maybe I'll pull out my computer and I'll, I'll just start writing. So I did. I grabbed the laptop, sat down at the kitchen table, started banging away. And she's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm writing a story. And she's like, no, really. What are you doing? And I was like, but, but, and it was one of those things she'd never expected. You know, I was not the creative one, so it, it just was weird. Um, but then I, you know, I um, put it together, wrote it, edited it, got it edited, um, got, found somebody to, to do a cover, um, sent it to, I don't know, 7,500 agents. Uh, most of them said no. Uh, I'm still waiting to hear from the rest. Um, you know, at this point, 10 years later, I'm, I'm guessing they're, they're probably, uh, not going to get back to me at this point, but, um, so I said, okay, I'll do it myself. 
and I, you know, I uploaded it to, to Amazon and uh, I waited until the family was all gone so that, you know, if lightning struck when I hit upload, you know, I hit okay, you know, at least they wouldn't be injured in the, in the blast. Um, I did it and, and then a funny thing happened. People bought it. Uh, and I was like, wow, that's cool. I, I need to do this again. So I, I wrote the second half. Um, then I, then I wrote a, a science fiction book and that one did even better. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, so I kept doing it. Um, and uh, a couple of people saw that, that I was doing it, doing okay. And they said, well, Hey, you, you seem to know what you're doing. Um, would you publish my book? And I was like, Oh, I, you know, just kind of doing that. All right, sure. I'll do that. And, and then more people came up and said, Hey, you're doing them. You know, how about doing me? Uh, okay. Um, and, and I woke up one day and I had about 15 people I was publishing and I was like, holy crap, I never wanted to be a writer. And, and now I'm a publisher. What? Um, so, you know, I, me, me being prior military, I, I embraced it, embraced the challenge, um, you know, took it on, uh, and, and have tried to do the, the best I could with it. Um, you know, learned everything that I could, uh, you know, got into advertising, got into a variety of different things. And, um, before I knew it, I was publishing 70 books a year, uh, which my wife said, Hey, you, or no, I was, I was publishing about 50 and my wife said, Hey, you know, you, you need to slow down a little bit cause, um, you're, you're doing too much. And I said, okay, sure. Um, so the next year I published 70, um, and, and she's like, well, you know, all right. You, you're, you have a day job and you're doing all this. She said, pick one. Um, so I did, and I, I picked publishing. Um, so I, she said, but you do need to do fewer next year. And I said, you're absolutely right. So the next year I did 70 again. And she's like, I don't think you know what the word less means. Um, so I'm, I've, I've figured it out a little bit. Um, so I'm actually only going to have probably about 60 this year. Uh, but then we started doing foreign translations and, and we're going to have about 300 of those. So I don't know less. All right. And so before we do the religion questions, because Stabby will kill me if I don't. So what's the story of your logo that, that we uh, that you use for your publishing house? Well, um, we wanted we wanted something that was, um, you know, kind of science fiction, kind of fantasy. Um, and we ended up um, one of the. One of the, the different logos from uh, one of my books uh, is a phoenix. It's actually the um, uh, Persian phoenix uh, that my wife has tattooed on her back. And just kind of the phoenix kind of became the CKP thing. Um, there's a lot of different phoenixes running around. Um, and I asked um, my, my logo person who's done all of the logos, said, hey, can can you design something cool for CKP? And she came up with several different things. And I saw this one. And I said, yep, that's it. Okay, I like it. They did well. She did well. Yeah, All Lee right. Dunning, she's awesome. I'll give her a plug. Oh, there you go. Um, before we start talking about how you got everyone else involved, uh, you've all got to answer the religion question. So I'm just going to ask the first question. I'll let all of you answer. We'll go to the second and the third, and we'll rock on. So... Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Firefly. Firefly, okay. Why? Because um, I can see myself in it. Yeah. That's, that's where I want to be. 
Yeah, I can see that. All right, what about you, Diana? Or is it Diane? I'm sorry. Uh, yes, Diane, yeah. Um, Star Wars. I had friends that were Trekkies, and at that point I wasn't into science fiction, and I thought all this stuff was a little weird. And then um, it was a Trekkie friend who said, oh, you got to go see this movie. And, and it was, you know, at that point it was kind of unknown. And they literally kidnapped me and used a banana for a gun at my back, you know, took me to the movie and it was, it was fun. So I'm kind of, okay, Use whatever. the banana, then, Luke. Uh, huh? Use what? the banana, Luke. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, yeah, so they kidnapped me to take me to the movie. And right. I was like, that's kind of fun. So, and then I got into Trek and stuff after that, too. So I mean... Bananas got potassium. Did they at least let you eat it when it was all said and done? It's healthy. Yeah, I, I, what happened to the bananas? <laughs> Some mysteries will never be solved. All right, Rob, you answered this one uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so what about you, Paul? Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Firefly, baby. All the way. It, is it something specific about Firefly that appeals to you? Um, yeah, I like the spirit of the show. Um just the whole—I mean, just the way the show plays out—it's—it's it's very humanizing, um, even with the Reavers and all that jazz. Um, and I'll tell you, I recall as a little kid being so excited to go see Star Wars. I mean, like bouncing out of my seat as the, you know, as the words roll past, and it was just so thrilling. Um, and the first three movies were absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And if it was, I mean, it, it was just Star Wars or nothing. And I never really got into Star Trek. And, and uh, But I'll tell you, the, what, what really gets me about Star Wars and Star Trek is the fan base. You know, people just go crazy because Star Wars has done this and Star Trek did that. And it's like, folks, these are all, these are adaptations. <laughs> Don't take it so hard. It's not, you know, they're not, they're not singling you out personally. Just relax. It's somebody else's vision of the show. But that has never, thank God, to this point, happened to Firefly. Well, I was actually thinking as, as when they asked the question a couple of weeks ago, my answer was Firefly too, by the way, uh, that, that one of the reasons why, I mean, to be cynical about it, Firefly didn't last long enough for them to screw it up. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, that that that's that's absolutely true, and they also didn't make you know billions of dollars and get people so many people with a stake in it. You know what I mean? Because once you start talking real money, then you start getting stakeholders and people. You know, this isn't canon for Star Trek. You can't do this. Although there are a lot of memorable moments in Star Trek and Star Wars, you know, the new stuff, just people just get so mad about it. It's like, everybody calm down. And I think that's probably why the majority of us picked Firefly. You know, we're kind of independent minded and, you know, fighting, fighting against the big folks. And, you know, there, there may be something to that. Okay. All right. And because didn't, didn't have... TV or anything, you know, when Firefly was out, so I completely missed it. So I'm, I've obviously got some catching up to do. You're well, I didn't see it when it was oh, on yeah. TV either. I, I, uh, 
a year or two after it had ended, a buddy of mine said, we're watching this. And she was cute. So I said, yes. And <laughs> I, I was hooked within 30 seconds, honestly. And it, it's one of the, it was one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. The, the, ver- the first one I saw was Serenity, which was years after the show. So, yeah. Yeah, I was deployed and missed the whole thing when it originally came out. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And somebody was like, yeah, that's shiny. And I'm like, what the hell are you even talking about? <laughs> and then he explained, and I went and read. I was like, yep, brown leather for me, baby. <laughs> All right. And because we are polytheistic here at the Blasters and Blades, Game of Thrones, The Wheel of Time, or Lord of the Rings? We'll go with you, Chris, first. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, that's just kind of what I was brought up on and – um, I know, you know, I, I know how it goes. Uh, I gave up on, um, Game of Thrones after three and a half books. I think I threw the third one cause everybody was dead that I'd ever cared about. And I was like, I'm done with this series. This is stupid. Okay. That's fair. What about you, Diane? Lord of the Rings kind of grew up on that. Okay. That's fair. And Paul? Um, I think you have to separate the novels from the show. Okay. Um, honestly, the Game of Thrones television series, until the absolute disaster that was the last season, the production value was top shelf. None better. Um, the books, awful. Use them to hold your doors open because they just they just go on forever. Um, and I never got into Lord of the Rings. Honestly, it just never appealed to me. And I can't even recall what the third choice was, but that ain't it either. <laughs> Wheel of Time. Yeah. Wheel of Time. I tried to watch like the first two episodes and just didn't understand it. So so if you had to pick your favorite fantasy franchise, what would it be? Probably Game of Thrones. Because as long as it's not the novels. <laughs> okay. All right, and uh, we've added a new religion question. Um, Rob, again, you got the answer recently, so you get to be quiet on this one. Uh, we are civilized here at the Blasters. Well, we still Podcast. want to know what he said. I mean, okay, you can answer it, Rob. Your boss has spoken. I mean, it hasn't come out yet at this time, so I don't know what he said. All right, so we. Uh, I said, "Word of the Rings." <laughs> we are not knuckle dragging troglodytes. I don't care what Miss Stabby says. So, coffee or tea, and how do you take it, Chris? Uh, I don't drink either. What? All right, where's the eject button? <laughs> so what hey, that's do? what I said, too. Are you going to eject me, too? I <laughs> like you. You get nerdy on history with me, so you get to stay. I guess he gets to stay. <laughs> what do you drink for caffeine, then? Or is it just all water? Diet Pepsi, and I'll drink okay. it. At, I'll drink it at 4 in the morning when I get up. Okay. What about you, Diane? Dr. Pepper. What? I thought it was like required for writing. Like they issue your pen, your notebook, and your coffee. This is my favorite stay awake juice when I'm writing. Uh, okay, energy drinks. Yeah, and it's but it's all natural. Okay, what about you, Paul? You're gonna save the panel. Tell me you drink coffee or tea. <laughs> I'm retired Navy, man. It's coffee all the way. Cream and sugar. <laughs> okay, I drink but it up still, right to the minute still, I go to bed. You drink it in sludge where it's it's got to be strong enough to hold the spoon up? 
I, t I let the uh, the unwashed cup take care of that. <laughs> I remember I got in the most trouble ever with my stepdad when I made the mistake of cleaning his coffee cup. He was yeah. a career Navy man too. You'd yeah. think I'd murdered his mother, right? I, I think I might have gotten less of a punishment for murdering his mom than I did that day. <laughs> being entirely honest. All right, Chris. So you started off as a solo publisher, just publishing yourself. And I have to say, if you haven't read the Occupied Seattle duology, some of the best fiction I've ever read, I still tell people that, especially, oh, I can't read science fiction. I just read military thrillers. And I'm like, start here. You're going to be hooked. It'll transition. You'll love it. It's it's a little scary, though, when you start seeing some of the stuff you predicted happening, like the, um, the dam in China going. Yeah. I, I think I messaged you that day that happened and told you you weren't allowed to write anymore because I don't want any other stuff to happen. It wasn't supposed to be a game plan. <laughs> there's, there's a meme floating around about, you know, the science fiction writer creates the worst thing ever, and this is why you should never use it. And then the tech company says, oh, we're going to make the first ever worst thing ever, and this is why you should buy it. Yeah. So uh, how did you transition from just publishing yourself, which is a huge learning curve to start with, and you did that. 2015, I believe, uh, back before all the groups existed to help you. Uh, 2014, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I was prior military, and um, I, I didn't know what uh, I, I needed to know, but I knew how to find out things, and, you know, I, I just uh, went at it. Okay, so how do, how do I publish a book? Okay, you need to do these processes. Okay, so first first one, editing. Okay, well find an editor. Okay. You know, and, um, I wouldn't say I did everything right. The, the first time, uh, I wouldn't say I was close to doing everything right, but, but I did enough, right. Um, that, that people took a look and didn't, didn't kill me too badly on it. You know, and some, some people did go, well, you know, obviously this is a first book, which it was, um, you know, but, but I, I, I did follow all of the, the right processes that, um, a trad pub would have done. Um, I, I tried to, to put out the best product I could, you know, got it edited, tried to get a good uh, cover, um, you know, all of those kinds of things. Um, you know, just, just kept studying. Um, when, when I first was writing, before I'd write a word that day, I'd spend um, about 20 minutes uh, reading a book or reading a, an article somewhere online, either uh, on uh, the craft of writing or the business of writing. So every day I was making myself smarter and I, you know, there were, there were several, you know, groups that I'd follow and um, they'd talk about something. I'd be like, Oh, I don't know that I should, I need to go find out. Um, and, and I worked really hard, especially the, the first couple of years I was doing this to find out everything I could. Um, and, and to train myself as well as I could. Um, and I, I still try and do that. I don't, I don't do it as, as often as I'd like. Um, but then I, I try and put up um, articles for all of the, the authors at CKP to, to look at too, that hopefully will, will help them with either the craft or the, the business of uh, writing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so have you re-edited uh, the Occupied Seattle duology? Because what I read was pretty good. I did. Right? I, did. I, I, uh, I read it like three years later and, and I couldn't read it. I'm like, this is awful. This is horrific. This is, this is the worst thing ever. How did people like this? Um, um, and I stopped. I was in the middle of writing a book and I had to stop and go through and get all of the get 
get those books re-edited because I just couldn't stand to have them have my name on it and be as bad as they were. I thought they were great when I wrote them. I got better. Okay. Well, what I, I must have read the re, the the re-edited because I didn't notice any of that yeah. the first I, time. I think I think Stephen King said your first million words are crap. Um, and, and absolutely. I agree with that. You know, I went back and, and sure enough, Ooh, that's not so good. I need to fix that. Um, you know, and then I, I wrote a book with David Weber. I've actually written several now. Um, and, and he, he showed me a lot of things that, um, were very helpful, um, that I've tried to pass on to folks. Um, you know, so the, as a, as an author, I'm, I'm a whole lot better, uh, now than I was. Uh, I am now up to almost six million words written, uh, so I've I've passed one. I would say so. So, at what point in time did you branch out? Because when you first started, you were mostly doing military science fiction because that's what you were writing, which makes sense given your background. At what point did you branch out to all the other imprints that you have? Um, a lot of those were started when when I. When I started out as a publisher, you got to remember, I didn't really have a game plan as much. Uh, so so I took on several different things. Um, I actually have a, quite a few more imprints than anyone really knows about um, because I was, I was involved in a uh, kind of a, a training thing. Uh, I started as a, as a member to try and get myself trained in the, the business of writing uh, and speaking. Um, and while I was doing it, I was I was the only one of the group that I had actually published anything. So I took on some of the other students as as clients, and I published them. Um, so I've got I actually have like uh, twelve or thirteen imprints, um, but but I've been I've been trimming back, trimming back, trimming back to the ones that are are most important: uh, the the science fiction, the fantasy. Uh, we have a separate one for our Four Horsemen universe. Um, because it's it's outgrown just about everything else, um, and there's there's a couple we hit, we had a wild stallions for um, you know romance uh, that that really didn't sell a whole lot so we kind of trimmed that back uh, a couple others like that 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 we played around with to to see you know throw throw some spaghetti at the wall and see it'll stick. Um, and, and that didn't really stick very well. And we went, yeah, okay. That that's dumb. Let's not do that. Okay. So, uh, we've got, uh, Paul and Rob and Diane. So how did you guys, you mentioned Diane that it was the world star, but how did you guys get it? Are you here as just as authors or do you also work for the company as well? I'm just an author at this point. Okay. It was interesting how, um, I met Chris, um, I was working on this series and was expecting to have to self-publish. And I wasn't even thinking about marketing. I'm a very slow writer. And I thought I'm not even going to start thinking about really putting it out there until I've got the series just about finished. And uh, because I wanted to be able to release them at you know reasonable intervals. And so I was helping at the appointments desk. And from what I understand, Chris, somebody pitched so, so here's what happened. So I was, <laughs> at, I was at Superstars, and one of the things I was doing was I was taking pitches from from writers, and uh, one of the other Superstars staff members came in and said, "Okay, there's one more pitch that you need to hear, but she doesn't know she's doing it yet." And I was like, "What?" 
she said, and, and they said, well, you know, she's she's the one that's working at the desk there and she's got this series and, and she she really is is kind of shy and she doesn't want to approach you, you know, but but you need to make her tell you about it. And I was like, OK, I can do that. And and so I did. And, and I was like, OK, I'll take it. When can I have it? And she was like, but 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 what? <laughs> so, Diane, you. Said send me the whole manuscript, which is, I mean, most publishers ask for the first two or three chapters, the first fifty pages, and so I'm kind of picking my jaw up off the floor, and and I, I think we all know that I'm not back. most publishers. <laughs> right. Well, I've only dealt with a, a big New York house to that point, so and that had been several years ago. So, yeah, the previous uh, impression was still there. Anyway, so I had to clean the first one up because it had been a couple of years since I'd even really looked at the first one because I'd moved on. And so I took a couple of weeks to kind of clean that up and send it off. So, and the rest is history. So then, what was your... told... Pardon? Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, he asked me how long each of the books was. And when I told him how long book three was, he says, it's kind of long. He said, and then he grinned at me and says, would you hear... To get paid for one book or two, so that's now books three and four. And She's like, print. oh yeah, it's and it's uh, two hundred thousand words. I'm like, hey, that's a great two books you got there. She's like, <laughs> it's, no, it's only one book. You you didn't hear me right. She said it's only one book. I said, yeah. Well, would you rather get paid once or twice? Because that's two books. So, so, so what? you have the ability to compare like working with a small publishing company versus working with like the big five or whatever it is. Nobody can keep track anymore. Everyone's merging with everybody. Tor. <laughs> so, so what was the, if you had to compare the two, like speaking as an author who's worked for both. I am enjoying working so much with Chris. Here, I'll my stick publisher. my fingers in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> so much easier to work with than, than the folks at the publishing company that will not be named. Uh, because, yeah. I, was so, under, I, I, saw, I signed a contract in for three, it was a three book contract in January of 94. The first two books were written. The, uh, the third one um, had a couple of chapters written and I knew it was gonna be extremely, extremely research intensive. They wanted that book turned in by October of 94 and it wasn't even going to be published until September of 97. Wow. That's a long time to wait. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, and, and so I was in the first, in the first year, work. how many books did you have published with me? Pardon? In the first year. <laughs> Four. Four. And I probably would have had five, except that then we had this little interruption courtesy of Jim McCoy. So, and talked about going back and dusting your stuff off. Oh my gosh, after 30 years, yeah, I, I was totally embarrassed that this company had, had put those three books out with my name on it, which is why I completely reworked them before turning them into Chris. I'm sure the covers are better too, because I've seen some of those TradPub covers. By far. There's a, I've only seen the cover so far for the first one of these, and I'm totally in love with it. And knowing that the same artist is going to do the other two, I can't wait. So I'm that's just, the, just drooling in anticipation of what the other two covers are going to be. By so the far. Cool, 
like far better covers than what the big New York house put on them. So the cool thing is, is if you go to somewhere like Goodreads, they track the old covers, even if you upgrade it. So you can compare what Chris puts on covers now and the way the art has improved to what he put in the beginning. I think part of it is the ecosystem to support the independent author just wasn't there yet. Everyone thought, oh, I have to work for the big five or I do my art for like, I don't know, like CDs or, or magazines or whatever. And when they started realizing I can make book covers too, talent started moving around and you can see like the improvement over that. And then you compare that to the same books of the same time from trad pub and it's, it's heads or tail. They have not grown and we have. Yeah. Without a doubt. And, and I think part of the reason that is, is philosophical. There is a strain in, in sort of the, um, I'll just say the New York art strain that doesn't like cool, doesn't like pretty, doesn't like attractive and evocative. And we do, at least I, I do. When I'm looking for covers, uh, when I'm talking to one of our artists, I want something that jumps off the page and is fun to look at, is beautiful, is full of colors and emotion and energy. And, and they, that's a different philosophy that a lot of them have uh, in, in New York, I think. Um, not my choice. All right. And before we dive into how Rob and Paul got involved, we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man. <laughs> In a galaxy tied together by the magic of the elite jump mages, new graduate Damian Montgomery is in search of his first assignment. Without elite blood ties and high-powered connections, he can't find a ship to sign on to. A pirate attack left David White with a damaged freighter and a dead jump mage. The dead mage's grieving father blacklists him and makes it impossible to hire a replacement. Without a mage to jump his ship, he's stranded. When their desperate needs meet, Damien is drawn into a conflict with the most powerful criminal organization in the galaxy and draws the attention of the Mage King of Mars himself. Starship's Mage, the first book in a science fantasy series by Glenn Stewart, is available on Kindle and Audible. All right, thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. And uh, we just got done talking about how uh, Diana's experience with the um, unnamed uh, mythical entity known as TradPub uh, compared to working with Chris. And now we're going to see, Rob, how did you get involved? Because I understand you mentioned earlier you manage the fantasy imprint. I, I do. Um I got involved uh, writing, if, if you want to start there, I got involved because I didn't have a choice or I needed to do something. It was at a down moment, a very country music, uh, country song, sort of my life. My, my wife left me. I, I couldn't get a job. And, you know, my mom had breast cancer and I, I wasn't doing anything and I was full of depression. And I started writing so that I would have something to do every day, some sort of job to do every day and um, push me out of that depression. And it, it helped. Um, I, I'm still here. Um, and and I, we're very happy you are. I thank you. Uh, and, and along the way, I, uh, but part of uh, my, my process is uh, I started this with the, the intention that this was going to be a job. So I went to Liberty Con and I, I checked out all the, the people there talking about how to, how to do it as a job. And, People like Chris and so many others there talking about the 
how to make it work as a business as well as a writer and and um listened and, and learned I'm, I'm a slow learner at times because my best learning style is to throw myself into the pit and then wallow around and make every mistake possible and then jump out knowing what i'm doing until i jump into another pit and, and wallow around for next set of mistakes um but along the way i, I realized that as I, as I mentioned earlier i only have so many hours of writing that my brain will do after that my brain sort of shuts off on that it can do editing it can do other things but i but the creative side is gone and i went to chris and and actually one of the reasons i went to chris touched he touched on earlier um for a while there he was going through quite a bit um there was move and and you were working your tail off and you were you were really seemed close to burned out close to burnout and chris had done a lot for all of us and um uh, i didn't you know i didn't have anything published with him but one or two books at the time and and some short stories but i really you know liked what he was doing and one of the best things chris has done is create this crew of authors you can see several of us here but you know there's casey zell and marisa wolf and and melissa oldhoff and and uh yeah, mark wandry and and christopher woods and all these great people who who we've created this crew on and we've all gotten better for it and i didn't want to lose that to burnout so i actually asked him that was one of the factors both to help me to help me make money and help me grow my career but also at the time, I wanted to make sure Chris didn't burn out. So I asked him if I could run his fantasy imprint because um, fantasy is, is the genre that I prefer even more than science, uh, military science fiction, which I really love that, too. And he said yes. And, um, and that's been three years now. So um, maybe even four. It's been a while. Um, and uh, uh, I've wallowed around and made just about every mistake. <laughs> Chris has laughed at me more than a time or two, but um, it's been a really neat learning process, and I'm 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 definitely excited to see where things are going. New mythology is is in a is in a wonderful place in the sense that over the next year we have a bunch of series that are completing, um, sort of the first generation of the series that that we've done at New Mythology are all sort of finally getting to their uh, third book to complete the first sort of story arc and to move on. Um, Scott Huggins, his responsibility series is coming out. Uh, he's, he's a, we should have that early in the year, early in 24. And soon after that, we'll have Bill Webb's conclusion to his uh, pulp fantasy, which is a lot of fun, very Conan-esque um, uh, trilogy. And then soon after that, I, I'm expecting something from uh, Kevin Steverson, who's got a, a similar one. And then then those worlds are going to expand and do more. But but one of the things we've, we've learned, and it's kind of us as readers and, and us as publishers, readers especially want to have that first trilogy or, or first set to sort of jump off from. And um, I'm excited that sort of the first gen of that for new mythology is finally getting to a point where we can do that. And we've got a huge jumping off that'll happen, I think in 24 and, and forward. So I'm really excited about that, especially. Um, we've also had the opportunity to do a bunch of anthologies with the, um, with the um, press and, and the, the books of valor have done really well um, uh, in, in terms of expanding uh, opportunities for, for writers. And we've gotten some, some great, guest writers um we had todd mccaffrey and 
Glenn Cook and Sarah Hoyt um, in the last one. And we've had, you know, Larry Correa and David Weber and and um, a variety of other big names. And we're going to have an interesting collection this time um, of some some more big names, but newer ones than we've had from uh, from previous crews. So we're, we're trying to change it up. And and along the way, also, we have the, the sort of the steady um, ones that are going for us. And that's uh, the Malaysian Accords is probably the most important series we've got. And it's done great because John's a fantastic writer. John R. Osborne, who wrote, writes that series. And that series is up to five books with more coming. I expect to have another four or five in the next three years, uh, two or three years. Uh, then there's also the the Asian stuff that uh, Trisha J. Woldridge is doing, and I expect that to be done in 25, and that'll be a five-book series, and that's really some impressive stuff. She she has a way of writing that's much different than mine, and yet it's still filled with a lot of tension, even if even though she does it differently than me. Um, and I'm I'm sure I'm missing something because uh, I always do when I oh yeah that, then there's my stuff I suppose I should mention the fact that I'm <laughs> I'm releasing I my stuff. I was going to say, uh, isn't there a guy named I don't know Howell or something like that? <laughs> that uh, I mean, we we just put a book out by him like oh I don't know two days ago. And and we're put yeah it's we're, you know so uh, yeah there's my stuff which. You guys were talking about redoing your stuff. I'm in the midst. Uh, it's it's been redone as well. Um, Lake Motif was my first novel, and I did exactly the same as you guys were talking about. Is oh my god, I, oh, I really don't want to see anybody to see my name on this anymore. So I re did a re-edit, and you know the easiest way to tell that I've gotten better is that uh, I know I didn't cut anything important. I added some things to strengthen the story. And I still came out sixteen thousand words out of a out of a hundred and two less than what I started with in the first one. So and it's just a much more efficient, stronger, faster writer. Uh, so I've got uh, quite a few books that I'm regenerating and, and recreating in the Firehall sagas. And um, by the end of twenty four, there's going to be something like uh, 10, 10 separate books in that, if not eleven. Uh, we'll see if the eleventh one happens by then, or if it happens in early twenty five. So lots of stuff coming in that. So, uh, and then there's more that's on the way. Um, a variety of things that are going to be uh, coming that I don't want to talk about just yet, but that's part of the reason why I'm so excited about twenty four is because I got all these projects that are on the cusp, and not only are we going to get get these first gen things completed but 24 we're gonna we've got several more projects that are gonna boom 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 so lots of things and, going and on. we did we did have one of those uh here this year chris nuttall's oh uh, duh. Series, um that that did did absolutely super um and and is still you know doing really well yeah um, um he uh wrote the heirs of cataclysm series and it is it is neat because it's post-apocalyptic swords and sorcery and it's kind of got a little bit of harry potter in it but then it's got um a, a bit of conan in it and it's got all that uh, vision and energy that chris uh puts out and boy that series has done really well and i, <laughs> I should <laughs> gosh i'm so out of I've, I've just recently moved i'm still in the process of moving in fact today i spent today uh trying to lay floor um so that's that's my brain is so scattered at this at this point in time but yeah he chris not books are fantastic and a real honor to to get to publish them 
So that's one thing I will say that I've noticed in the small press community of, of authors is they're very willing to help each other. I've heard, oh, you're, they're not going to tell you who their artist is because they want them or their editor to be available for them. When I was working on a novella for a story I wrote in Tim uh, Taylor's universe, and I needed an artist because somebody bailed on me, Chris was like, yeah, here's my guy. He's over in Thailand. This is exactly how much he's going to charge you and go. And and I, I told other authors that work for Tradpub, I'm like, that's not supposed to happen. They're supposed to jealously guard that information. And Chris has never done that. I, want, I will say we interviewed you back in season one. I think it was like episode 30, Chris. And I, and I liked your commitment that you'll never write a series that you won't give fans an answer to, even if it's not selling as well. You'll, you'll always promise to wrap it up because I think a lot of people got burned by uh, Martin and some other authors who famously ignored uh, and never finished their series. Yeah. I think that sense of I'm going to get a, a complete story arc, even if, you know, it's not selling that great is something I think the readers really appreciate. Absolutely. That's, that's important. Um, another thing that's important that we haven't touched on is, well, Rob, Rob kind of did a little bit um, is, is CKP exists to give people opportunities too. Um, we do a lot of uh, anthologies and, and we always try and keep four spots open for uh, new authors. Um, you know, when I was starting out, I had somebody pick me up for an anthology that with with other people that I didn't deserve to be, you know, in the same book with. Um, and and I want to extend that that same kind of opening to, to, you know, tomorrow's authors and um, we, we always try and keep four spots, you know, for, for submission for, you know, open submission. Um, and that's one of the things that Rob has done really well with the, uh, the Valor series. Um, and I should mention that the Valor series, the open calls for that are through November. And if you go to the Chris Kennedy publishing, uh, website, uh, and look for, and go to the blog there and look for anth anthology calls, um, all of the, uh, the, uh, Valor anthologies are listed there with all the uh, instructions, the theme, uh, all the submission guidelines and everything like that. So uh, take a look there. I, uh, more stories means better anthology and more opportunities to read cool things. So yeah. send me stuff. And I'm a sucker for short content as this podcast uh, community that listens to us babble knows. So uh, we'll have to have you guys come back for those uh, anthologies come out and get some of the authors and, and pimp that stuff. Cause I really love short fiction. Unfortunately, one of the best, of the best four horsemen short stories uh, that I've gotten, we've done 12 uh, anthologies in the four horsemen universe. So that's 12 times 14. Somebody do the math. It's 150 ish. Um, one of the best ones that we've, one of the best ones we've ever had is yours. I think uh, it actually got nominated for the uh, the reading list for the Hugos that year. Um, but there's been another one of yours. I've seen your name in the Hugo reading list a couple times, your publishing house. So uh, you're doing something right, um, which is, I mean, hopefully that means something because I don't know that anybody cares about awards anymore. They just, they either like it or they don't. I think they've been burned out too often. Yeah. Uh, but you guys have done okay with the Dragon Awards too. Um, didn't you guys uh, make the finalist for a couple stories this year? I think uh, I've I've uh, not this year, um, but we've uh, shoot. I don't know. I, I think Mark Wandry has four finalists. He leads, you know, he leads finalists that, that haven't won one yet. And I've got three. Uh, and then there's so, John R. Osborne, who has at least one and maybe yeah. two. Right. Yeah. Uh, Casey Azell has some. 
Um, we've, we've had a lot. Haven't won writers. Yet, we're, yeah, still trying. Well, well, well there's always 2024 and we'll campaign for it. We'll have to have you on to pimp out your, uh, your nominations right, right before that goes live. We'll do the Chris Kennedy slate. Well, there you go. All right. <laughs> so I, I do like that, uh, that you do that sense of community. Uh, and even when you have to reject stories, you were nice. Cause you know, they say you're not a real writer, uh, until you get your rejection letter. And for most indies, we, we publish ourselves. It's not really a thing. And I remember I sent one to your anthology and it, it violated the canon because I didn't know what was coming out soon. Because some that with your anthology, sometimes you had books in the works that you know you could unknowingly step on that. But obviously, you can't tell people, "Oh, this is about to happen," right? Because then you yeah. ruin it. So you gave me my first rejection letter. <laughs> You're like, "Sorry, not this time." Well, I'm I'm still waiting for uh, some books from you from like eight years ago. You pitched me something with another guy, and he um, and failed, I, said, and I yeah. don't even know where that guy is. Yeah, I said yes, and I haven't seen him. That is and the I haven't gotten a, I haven't gotten a fantasy story from you. When, when do I get to reject you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is the danger of, of co-authoring. Uh, you have to pick your partner correctly because if they bounce, you're, you're in gray area if you ever try to publish that because yeah, I mean, you, you kind of did stuff together. So live and learn. But uh, last but not least, Paul. So how did you get into the CKP um, cult, I mean family. Uh, well, I I uh, mentioned it in my intro that I had gone through 20 books and met Chris that way. Um, and I had two Abner Fortis novels written and self-published and a third one about a halfway done. Um, and so after I got the welcome aboard intern um, message, uh, I sent him those two novels and he sent them back and said, rewrite them <laughs> and here's the style guide uh and so uh, it was it wasn't long before i had those rewritten and the third one finished uh and have added five more to the list six Good. more tomorrow Good. yeah by the and, time this uh, airs um number and the the 10th book in the series uh is about halfway done like i mentioned before i got four more planned after that uh, and a spinoff series and some other stuff that I'm working on. But it was, you know, I was welcomed fully into the factory floor with the rest of rest of the writers and editors and uh, publish publishing types. Um, and we, they share everything. Uh, and I've, I proudly post links to, you know, to the editors um, and the cover people and the graphics people on my author website so that anybody who's interested can go and find them. Um, because, you know, we're only, we, we only get better if, if everybody works together. And that, yeah. that is not to say that it's, uh, yeah, every family has their fights. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you're better for it. So are you still an intern? Or have you graduated? You know, that's a good question. Where's my copy? He made him a full-time author. Yeah, he, Chris, Chris pretty much said, you know what? Just consider yourself a CKP didn't, author. Didn't, didn't you win a trophy last year? Uh, I did, actually. I did. Uh, my first year, my first full year writing for Chris, I won author of the year. Um, not, notice I, that's author, not intern. Yes, it is. It is. And that was a, a very proud moment. And uh, 
you know, much to my regret, I was not present to accept it because I didn't even know what factory con was. <laughs> now that I know, now that I know, and there are prizes to be won, you know, it's looking more and more likely that I'll attend. But um, yeah, I had I had a lot of success early, um, and a lot of people helped me out with that. And now I've kind of slowed down. I had some issues uh, there in 21, 22 that slowed down production. Um, but, you know, that's all behind me, and I'm full speed ahead. I think the whole world had issues in 21, and so I think I think we're a good company. So, but he, he said something that we should follow up on. Uh, he said FactoryCon, and I don't recall us actually mentioning that uh, yet in the show, and Chris might actually want to talk about that. I actually had that in a note to ask uh, Chris to elaborate that. <laughs> I got paid for that segue, by the way. <laughs> All right. Coffee's in the mail. Nice job, intern. <laughs> so, so Chris, what's the factory story? So well the the factory story is uh, actually came about from the Dragon Awards um, and the the second year that the Dragon Awards were out, uh, we had like five or six uh, finalists and uh, some some lady in Germany um, said that it wasn't fair. you know obviously there was some sort of fix in the works. Uh, there's no way uh, one small publisher could have that many good books. Um, and, and she accused us of being some sort of Kindle Unlimited factory. Um, so in, in, you know, in keeping with all of our spirits, we went, oh, okay, we'll be the factory then. We'll own that. Um, so we became the factory. <clears throat> um, and we went on to, to get a bunch more finalists. Um, and, and we just kind of took that as our, as our motto. I, I, I wish I'd have sent you the, the factory picture that you could put up. Um, but we, we have our own little factory thing and, uh, I'm the factory boss. And, you know, according to legend, I chain people to their desks in the, on the factory floor until they, uh, produce, uh, enough words for the day. Um, but as far as factory con goes, um, at the, uh, at the end of the convention season, um, in October, uh, I started doing a thing for the authors where I lived in Virginia beach and I, I invited all the authors that could make it, you know, to come. And we had a little end of the year party. Um, and, and that was growing to be kind of like 20 or 30 people by the, by the time I moved to uh, coin jock, um, which is about, uh, 30 miles South of Virginia beach. Unfortunately, there's no hotels here, and we moved into a, a house about half the size of the one in Virginia Beach. So we're like, well, how are we going to do this? And it, it just so happened that uh, Rob Howell was here, and uh, we're, we got to talking, and, you know, he, he said, well, hey, there's a KOA down the, the end of the street here. And so we jumped in the car and drove down there, and we're like, oh, this could work. We could have people bring RVs or tents, and, and we could invite all the readers as well. Um, so we did, and, and we had probably 85 people. Uh, yeah, that's the, the factory con logo right there, uh, for this year. Uh, you can see the, the CKP Phoenix. Um, we've had upwards of, uh, of about a hundred people there, uh, 20, 25 authors and 70, 75 readers. Um, get together, do uh, a lot of camaraderie sort of things. It's it's not your typical con where there are panels or things like that. 
we do a fishing trip. We do uh, cornhole. We have a, a DJ one night. Uh, do a potluck on on Saturday. Uh, Mark Wandry and I uh, do Sunday morning breakfast. So we have a lot of different things. Uh, book book show on uh, the Saturday. You know, just just hanging out, readers and authors. It's a chance to get to meet your favorite author. Uh, the authors, you know, usually get together and and chat about stories. We've we've birthed more series at at Factory Con than uh, just about anything except uh, Dragon Con, I think, which uh, only has the uh, has more because it's been going on longer. So it's it's a good time. It's uh, October twentieth to twenty second. Uh, there's still a couple spots um, at the at the campground, which is KOA West Currituck, and uh, anybody that wants to come is welcome. It's a beautiful site. Get to look right out there at the sound and 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 on a on a early morning with the sun uh, glittering off the waves. It's really neat. So that's it. Is there a website for FactoryCon, or is it linked to your CKP website? Because I'll link to that for people. <clears throat> it's actually from the uh, fact. <clears throat> excuse me, Factory Floor uh, Facebook site. There is another um, uh, FactoryCon uh, website, um, and I'll I'll send that to you, and you can put it on. All right, we'll link to all the FactoryCon stuff for you guys. If you're interested, check it out. Uh, if nothing else, you can camp with a bunch of nerds, and what could possibly go wrong there? Um, <laughs> So, so Rob, uh, I got to ask, is it true that the reason you bought the house that was a former funeral home was for people that were disobedient in the factory so Chris could just make things go away? Is there any truth to that rumor? I can neither confirm nor deny that. Okay. Man, I was hoping we could break some news here, but I guess, you know, the FBI might be listening and it could get ugly. I get it. Yeah, and, you know, I don't want to talk about any dead bodies that might or might not be in our basement. <laughs> All right, but are, you, are you ever going to unearth the the crematorium in the basement? You know, see if we can get those ghosties on air. I mean, you did promise. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. You know, the ghosts get to do what they want. And uh, although I did, I did have the story idea. That, that's it. I need another story. But I, I kind of walked around <laughs> from our conversation last time with, you know, that's a pretty good story idea. I write the story of the of a devil whose sole job is to get ghosts to go back to bed so they can do their haunting later on without being tired. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think Pixar has something similar with the uh, monsters Inc. Yeah, exactly. Um, so ghosts Inc. There we go. So, all right. So we've talked about all of your involvement in CKP and, and Chris, you've told us how you came to be. So given that you've been running since, uh, writing since 2014, when did CKP become a thing? Um, well, CKP was was originally designed to be me, uh, Chris Kennedy Publishing, to publish me uh, back in the day. Um, and and of all the things, you know, that if I could do over, uh, I probably wouldn't have named it after myself. I would have called it, I don't know, High Orbit Books. You know, our, our books take you to outer space, or you know, something that you could have a a cool tagline to. Um, but but I started out with CKP and. Uh, you know, because it was unintentional to, to really grow it as a publisher, um, it, it just kept that name. And, you know, by now, so many people know it for that. I couldn't change it to something else without, you know, disrupting everything we're doing. So 
it is what it is. So since you have started uh, your publishing company, obviously you love all your own books. Um, what has been some of the most memorable books? We won't call them favorites because you're not supposed to have a favorite, although everyone does. Um, speaking as parents, like we know you've got a favorite, but uh, what was your, your um, one of your most memorable books that you've published uh, other than yours? Um, actually, the, the second one of Diane's uh, Seventh Shaman books, um, last year I said, this is the best book of the year. And, and I, I really, really believe that. Um, I, I like that one. Um, I, I really like, um, golly, I, you know, the, the thing is, I like just about everything that I've published. Um, there, there haven't, there's only been, you know, a couple that, you know, really just kind of weren't my favorite. You know, I love, I love, um, Paul's series, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the, uh, the last Marine series, um, I really liked, uh, Bill Frisbee, um, you know, the, the four horsemen books, uh, not counting mine because I'm not counting mine. Uh, but, but even if you take mine out, that still leaves, you know, over 50. So there's, there's a few others there that, that I liked and, you know, growing that universe has been a lot of fun, um, you know, as a, as a professional challenge to keep the canon good across 87 books, now 88 as of last week, um, you know, so in, in integrating, you know, so Rob, Rob Howell says, Hey, I've got this story. I want to do this. Okay, great. You know, and then, you know, bringing that into the universe and, you know, doing all the, the other things, um, you know, so that's been a, that's been a fun challenge. Uh, have, have I, have I weaseled my way out of it yet? You've done well. well. <laughs> and, since, and since, um, Rob, you are also one of the publishers for uh, CKP with your new mythology press. Oh, well, yeah. I was just going to say, I, I'm only do the fantasy. I thought for a second you were going to say I was involved with helping with that other stuff. I mean, I'd certainly uh, be honored to do whatever Chris needs. But yeah, only the uh, only the fantasy imprint is is what I help with. So, other than your own story, what's been your favorite that you've had the uh, privilege of publishing? Honestly, I think it might actually still be the first one, and that's responsibility of the crown. And the reason is, is that I, I, I did something that probably most publishers wouldn't do, and I, I did a lot of extra work on it. And some of that was because uh, I needed to get good and get good quickly. And so I kind of I really worked on that story. And Scott had a great core of a story, and I could really see it. But it was inefficient and bloated. And I went in, and, and we had a number of discussions, Scott and I, because he was like, I can't believe you got all this stuff. I'm like, Okay, tell me why it why it helps your story get get going, and we had a bunch of these discussions. And I think at the end, I think part of the reason it's my favorite because I think both Scott and I grew uh, writing that book. Um, I certainly grew with the experience, and it came out to be a really good story, uh, with a second really good story and a third that he's working on. And and so, I had my hands over that hands all over that one a little bit more than most publishers do because I needed the experience. And uh, um, so it's probably still my favorite. Okay, now you're gonna learn the rest of the story. So Scott um, submitted that book to me about a year prior and I turned it down. 
I was like, no, this book isn't any good. Thanks. Don't don't need it. Bye. He, Rob took over his new mythology and he submitted it again to Rob. Uh, and Rob did all of the work on it that, that he just said. And he's like, oh, hey, here's I've got this book. Um, you know, it's Scott Huggins. It's Responsibility of the Crown. I'm like, I think I already said no to this. But okay, you know, he's like, well, I've I've worked on it. I'm like, okay, well, sure, send send it along. Let me look, and and he did, and I was like, holy crap, I can't even believe this is the same book. I love this book. This is great. He needs to do more. When when can I have the second one? Okay, so the other, um, so well, wait, Paul, did you have any hand in publishing when you were an intern, or were you doing other uh, activities behind the scenes? Um, I had no responsibilities except to write. And that, that was probably too much. <laughs> I don't think uh, you understand how interns are supposed to work, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it's, it's too far from the coffee room, the break room, to everyone's desk. Because I'm in Mississippi and he's in North Carolina. And there are writers spread far and wide all the way around the globe. So there was no way I was bringing anybody coffee. <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> um, okay. But I had I, I I haven't had any other responsibilities um, except the occasional last minute. Hey, can you write a ten thousand word story for this anthology? Um, and then why aren't you writing? <laughs> Where's your next book? Okay. Did so you not the, make you bring donuts? Something I don't know. <laughs> if I thought you'd eat them, I'd bring them. Yeah, we. We've done that just just about everybody that's the new person. We say, okay, you, you owe donuts at the next con. Larry, Larry Hoy took like five or six cons to, to actually fulfill it. <laughs> but he so brought we, like six dozen. So yeah, I and then he, to... then he brought six dozen, so that was good. That's I mean, I guess. A break. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to make up for it. So the, the cool thing, though, is, is, Chris, how you guys kind of keep it lighthearted. So in one of Mark's early books, well, in the Four Horsemen universe, he had the character that was the brony, had a little bit of that going on. And so people started to give him grief about it. And then there's a story, Urban Legend says somebody started mailing him stuff that looked like it was like a 1990s stalker with, like, cutting out letters and gluing them to the pages from various uh, various magazines cut to, to say the messages. Uh, yeah, it was it was my wife. He embarrassed her out at dinner one night, and uh, then she saw a poster of of Brony and Rainbow Dash, and and she decided, okay, I'm going to have a little fun with him. Um, and and so she she bought the poster, um, you know, uh, sent it to him from a fan. This is everything she sent said from a fan. And she did this for over a year. She sent stuff. And, and at the time she was doing, um, she was selling a, a clothing line and she had uh, patrons all around the country. So she'd send it to them and get them to send it so that it was postmarked <laughs> from all over the country so that he had no idea where any of this stuff was coming from. And, and you know, so it'd be Easter. She sent him a chocolate bunny uh, from a fan. Uh, she one one uh, one time she she cut out uh, magazine letters, you know, like the old ransom notes and, and put it together. And, and, and she wanted to send that. And, and there was going to be uh, she had a 
a rainbow dash um, stuffy. And she's like, you know, you need to do this or the, the rainbow dash gets it. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And that's where the FBI comes in. You know, we, we got to keep this a little lighter than that. This is, this is fun while you're teasing him. This isn't fun. If things start dying, that's bad. Um, so, so she made a different note and it, and it was funny. And um, they, they all, she was like writing with her opposite hand. So it looked like it was a kid and, you know, she'd misspell words and, um, and then it ended up that after doing this for over a year, uh, she, we were having the, the factory con, uh, and that was the, I think the second one at my house and she got him a big sheet cake with a rainbow dash on it and on a Facebook live, you know, and it was signed from a fan. Uh, she presented them that on, on the Facebook live and he looks at it and he's like, Oh my God, the fan got it from here. I, uh, and, and her husband's or her, his wife slugs him and goes, she's the one. And they're, you know, in front of, you know, a couple hundred people. It was a great, a great, uh, you know, uh, unveiling. And it was a lot of fun. He took it really well. But, he but did. And I, I lived rent free in his head for a year. He never <laughs> figured out. But that level of fun is, I think, what sets, you know, yours and company like yours apart from some of the more stuffy businesses. Because it's not that you're not professional, but you don't forget the reason people read the books and mo most people write the books is they just want to have fun. Right. You know, absolutely. Life is dreary uh, enough we without we it. Don't do, we don't do message fiction. You know, we, we write for fun. We want to you know, uh, take the readers, give the readers escapism. I mean, life's hard enough. Um, you know, it's, it's been hard the last couple of years with COVID and this and that, and a lot of people have had a hard time and we, we just want to give people an escape, you know, go somewhere, have some fun, um, and, and get out of, get out of the real world for a few hours. My publishing and writing philosophy is pretty simple. I want heroes doing heroic things. That's it. Let's make him. Let's make it. We're doing heroic things and 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 do it in such a way that it's really cool. I want to publish so, books that are the ones I want to read. So the coolest thing was the uh, when you published your twenty twenty three early this year, your list of what was going to be coming out is some of your fans in uh, your hardcore readers posted the uh, the meme. I'm never going to financially recover from this, and it's like a <laughs> list of all of your books. Hashtag uh, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, that's the thing that keeps on giving, though. So, yeah. um, all right. So, before we let everyone go, um, can you tell us what you're writing now? Not what you're publishing for other people, but what you're personally writing on, Chris. Um, I am working on a new series. When when you said I've published all of my own books, that's not entirely true. Uh, I have several trad uh, published as well, and and I've also written uh, some with uh, J. N. Cheney. Um, and I'm working on the next uh, book that I'm going to publish with uh, Cheney. So uh, it's called uh, The Symbiote Wars, Symbiote War, um, okay. and it's going to be really good. Uh, is that in the same um, universe as the Uplink Squadron? No, uh -uh. totally different. Uplink's over. This is a new series. All right. And if you think that Chris Kennedy runs the factory website, I'm just saying Cheney's got the factory right next to him because they're all cranking out stuff. <laughs> All right. What about you, Diane? What are you writing at the moment? I'm uh, trying to, once I get the Sergei books done, I'm back to finishing up book five in the Seven Summon series. And then I've got six and seven after that. To, okay. To, yeah, number five. And I'm I'll hoping to... my goal right now is to get that turned in 
no later than the end of October. I want oh, to ambitious. get the, uh, the Sergi stuff done. So. Great. Uh, what are you working on your own stuff, Rob? Uh, right now I'm writing, uh, well, by the time this is over, or this has been uh, released, I'll be done with uh, Farewell, My Ugly, which is the next Edward novel. And I will probably be working on my next uh, Forrester's novel, uh, Four Horsemen Universe um, story. I need to finish that. Uh, decided wanted to be a three-book story arc. And um, I, need to, I need to, like Chris was talking about, we want to finish the story arcs for our readers. It helps if you remember to unmute after you cough. <laughs> what are you working on at the moment? Uh, right now, I'm working on uh, Abner Fortis number ten. Um, What's Holy the name? War. Yep. Holy okay. War, and uh, I've also started on number eleven, which is War Criminal. Uh, I'm trying out Rick Partlow's method of writing on two books at the same time with the main focus being on the main book. And then when I get bored, I switch gears and drop a thousand words on the other one. Asimov did that. I'm sorry. Asimov would routinely do that. He would have six or seven projects in the work. Hmm. And he would write until his brain was like, I'm done with this one. And then he would just stick in the, the last uh, sheet into his typewriter of the story. He was working on uh, the yep. other next one and, and go. That's how he well, was so prolific. I, I, I figure I'll try it because it can't make me any slower. <laughs> Honestly. Um, but yeah, so Fortis number 10 and poking Fortis number 11 with a stick, trying to make it do something. So how long do you see that series going? Are you going to go for the uh, David Weber 100 book arc? <laughs> uh, no, probably not 100. Uh, we've, Chris and I have discussed out to probably 14. Well, wait a second. Shouldn't it go to like 16 or 32 or 64? I mean, it's it's about Marines. And and don't Marine colors come in, in, in those five packs? This is true. That's, a good, that's brilliant, actually. Marketing right there. I feel like when I just learned that the, uh, the KFC um, Twitter, when they followed 13, um, spi was it the Spice Girls in the 13 whatever? Like, oh, I'm butchering it now. It was funny, though. It was yeah, funny. They, they, funny. They followed 13 things just specifically to match their, their herbs and spices. Oh, that's right. 13 guys named Herb, and then the Spice Girls was what they followed. That's what it was. And then of the 13, they randomly picked one, and he got, like, free KFC for life. Cholesterol has gotten him. It's a sad moment, moment of silence. But, uh, all right, so before we let you guys go, can you tell us uh, where we can find you on the interwebs? And as usual, it will be linked in the show notes. So we're going to go in reverse order. So, Paul, where can they find you online? Um, it is papyatauthor.com. And that, okay. is my, uh, that is my author website. Uh, and, of course, you can always look me up on Facebook as um, Paul A. Pyatt or Paul Pyatt, Paul Allen Pyatt. Um, however you want. And uh, I answer, I get emails and back uh, back channel messages, uh, DMs. Um, and I, I correspond to everybody that writes to me, I write them back. So however you oh, want That's to a challenge. You might, not, you might not be grateful for it as you get bigger. <laughs> I am, I'm not afraid. All right. So what about you, Rob? How can we find you on the interwebs? Uh, robhowell.org. Uh, the fantasy series I write is the Firehall Sagas. So firehallsagas.com. 
I am Rotary2112 pretty much every everywhere on the interweb. Uh, Facebook.com slash Rotary2112. Patreon slash Rotary2112. At Rotary2112 on Twitter. I'm at I'm Rotary2112 on Discord. Uh, and also, um, New Mythology has a Discord channel. If you like to talk fan- the fantasy genre, uh, not just the books that we put out, but uh, any any uh, part of the fantasy genre, and you're on Discord, come uh, come join our channel, and uh, we talk about, uh, like I say, any any kind of any part of the fantasy genre. Plus, we have a bunch of writing uh, writing tips and writing discussions on uh, word usages or whatever. We we have constantly um, uh, uh, discussions on how to be, get better at writing, and um, it's become a community of about ninety or so talking about. Not just fantasy, but getting better at writing fantasy. All right. And Diane, how can listeners and readers find you? Okay. My website's a little bit different because DT Read was already gone. So it's D hyphen T hyphen read hyphen author.com. And um, then I'm on Patreon at uh, DT Read and Facebook. Seventh Shaman, Facebook.com, Seventh Shaman, all one word. Okay. I guess I get, need to get Instagram or something too. Well, you're fine. Instagram's overrated. What about you, Chris? Where can uh, listeners and readers find you? Well, this is going to be a surprise, but you can find me at chriskennedypublishing.com. Uh, sign up for the mailing list there. Um, that, that way you'd find out what's uh, coming down the road and, uh, any opportunities, you know, that works for whether you're a reader or a writer, because that's also where we announce uh, some of our open contests. Um, you can also find me on Facebook um, at, at the factory floor or uh, Four Horsemen on, uh, at the 4HU Merck Guild on uh, Facebook. All right. And this is the part, dear listener, dear uh, viewer, where I remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platform. Your reviews help the right readers find the right book. So do your part, people. And uh, that's especially important for newer authors because that might be how they get the visibility unless the next great American novel be found. So so do your part. You can find us on Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash blasters and blades podcast again Linktree backslash blasters and blades podcast where we link to all the things the bit shoot the rumble the madam stabby stabs uh instagram and twitter so if you have hate mail she is happy to take it but uh when she replies uh no don't come crying to us because you were warned and you get what's coming to you uh we are on twitter at sf underscore fantasy underscore show uh, we have an email at blasters and blaze podcast at gmail.com, a Facebook group, uh, which is backslash groups, backslash blasters and blaze podcast. If you're noticing a theme, we're everywhere we are as blasters and blaze podcast. And last but not least, we have our website. It's anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep the lights on. And we have a uh, frequent guest of the show, Rick Shaw, is going to help us make a real proper grown-up website, so stay tuned for that. And uh, if you want to support the show more directly, go to buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. And be sure to put in the comment section that it's for the podcast, and I promise I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Seska and Nick Garber, duly caffeinated. They will drink until Java pours out of their eyeballs, and then we will film it. 
All right. With that being said, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For the absentee Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. Thank you guys for coming on. This was great. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us.